Hi guys! Welcome to Something Private, a podcast about everything related to the vagina, from sex to health and the society. My name is Nicole and I'm your producer and your host. Earlier this year, I got to make friends with this girl by the name of Rebecca. Hi, my name is Rebecca Yu. We were introduced by some of my colleagues at Our Grandfather Story and I found her to be extremely interesting because Rebecca is the founder of a local social enterprise by the name of May's Own. So what May's Own does is that it sends young girls who have been rescued from sex trafficking in the Philippines to school by working with local Filipina homemakers. Honestly, that's like... It's really fucking noble, okay? At 26, Rebecca lives between Singapore and the Philippines, working on turning her social enterprise into a model that is sustainable and that can be replicated across all of Southeast Asia. Meanwhile, at 24, sis over here is a sack of useless shit! Like, wow. But to many people, Rebecca's not just the founder of May's Own. People actually know her first as the great-granddaughter of the late Yu Tong Singh, who is the chairman and philanthropist of Yu Yan Sang. Now, if you're Southeast Asian, chances are you've probably heard of Yu Yan Sang. You know, that traditional Chinese medicine place you often find in the basement of malls that sells things like herbs, ginseng, liang tea, which is herbal tea. And you've probably stepped inside with either your grandparent or your parents to load up on some of that traditional Chinese medicine. Yu Yan Sang is a brand that has been around for over 140 years and it's developed quite the reputation for being one of the most trustworthy TCM brands. Now, I didn't know who Rebecca Yu was because I'm a loser, but... Most people know me as Bird's Nest Girl. That's what I'm known for. (laughs) Honestly, sounds like a lot of pressure growing up. You know how some of us grew up absorbing generational trauma? If you're someone with 140 years of family trauma passed down to you, honestly, you win at intergenerational trauma. So because Sis is an empath, I was really interested to know how Rebecca was like growing up. Was she like a crazy rich Asian? Was she the popular kid in school? And was she ever pressured to succeed because of her family name? I never felt like we were very, very, very different. And I would say that my parents have done everything in their ability to keep us grounded, curious, and hungry, as it should be. I definitely had a golden childhood, very indulgent one, where I ate a lot of sweets. But I wouldn't say, like, my parents ever let me think, like, oh, you're better than this, these people. Because, because that was... That's something that matters to them. They never, ever, 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 ever wanted us to possess this entitlement. And so they did their best to prevent it. My parents and I, we have a very comfortable, close relationship. I like to say I don't have two parents and three older brothers. I have five parents. (laughs) Because I think that everyone is so protective of Mei Mei. You know, like everyone is like, Mei Mei, what are you doing? Who are you with? What time are you coming home? Um, and that's okay because they actually talk to me a lot like everyone always talked to me what do you think about this or do you know that this is happening how do you feel and they never forced me to have a certain opinion it was just me me what are you thinking why and it took me a long time to develop that kind of opinion for myself because I just had so many brothers 
you know, and, and I was always intimidated about, oh, their opinion matters so much more than mine because they're older than me and they're smarter than me and they get better grades because obviously they're in college and I'm still in like, I don't know, high school, middle school, whatever. Um, I just felt like when I was younger, you know, the bar was set so high by my siblings, but they actually were the ones who also raised me to become my own person and oh, what do you want to do with your life why is this important to you and they did that in a way that wasn't condescending they never forced me to you know believe in in anything i didn't want to believe in and they've pretty much like built this barrier for me um, a safe barrier where i was able to grow and learn and experience life within their parameters and and they really just guided me through life the best way that they could and now i'm here and i don't think that i would have gotten here if i didn't have that kind of relationship with my family where we were always talking about business we were always talking about politics we were always talking about people what what ideas were at the time i never had like a in tagalog the word is burkada which is like a closed group of friends that you see every day every day every day i had my family and they always talk to me and I I cannot put a, a price on that because that was so valuable to me. You, you know, you're mentioning that your brother set a very high standard mm. for you, right? And like your grandparents as well. Was that ever like pressurizing for you growing up? You know, weirdly enough, I felt like I was always in, um, it wasn't really <laughs> them. It was more of, I always felt like I had to compete with myself sometimes, you know, because I think I started kind of, getting into the so- like high society scene quite young that there was this image of me there was like Rebecca Yu versus Mei Mei do you get what I mean? Mm. there was like I was sort of becoming a socialite but then at the same time I was also a teenager trying to figure out myself mm. and so that's when I felt the most pressure my family never really pressured me it was just me pressuring myself mm. like okay Bex you know, what are you, you going to do? What are you going to do here? Are you a socialite? Are you um, going to be a normal teenager? What do you want? Mm. I'm interested. So you say that your family never pressured no. you. How did you then get into this whole business of being like a socialite? Oh, I can like name the day. <laughs> um, it was the December issue 2011. It was my first magazine cover. I was 17 years old. Oh my gosh, I was 17 years old so long ago. So sad. <laughs> it was like, was that like nine years ago? It's almost a decade. No! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I knew by that point, okay, we have this family name. And people were interested in it. I obviously didn't have much of a story except for the fact that I had a family name. Um, and then it was, hey, Rebecca... We want to run a story on you, um, just to see, like, just for fun, I guess. And, um, yeah, they were just kind of exploring interesting people to profile. And for some reason, they found me interesting. Whether it's purely because of my last name or because they thought I, I wasn't bad looking, I don't really know. Maybe it was a combination of both. I'd like to think they thought I was quite pretty, which is why they chose me. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, and then that kind of became its own thing i attended you know events with my mom i would attend events with my dad but it wasn't until 
um, I started doing, you know, cute society pieces for the magazine that I really developed a kind of socialite status, I would say. I'm not even, yeah, I, yeah, I would say that, yeah, okay, I was a socialite. Mm -hmm. That is when the idea of, oh, you're very different from other average Singaporean families, because I attended some society events for brands that I liked, like maybe, because when you're, you know, a teenager, mm -hmm. you don't really know who you are, yeah. and, and I didn't really know what the impact of doing um, society pieces would be like. I just sort of did it because, to be honest with you, I suck at makeup, and I like it. I love watching makeup videos, um, and I like dressing up. And a photo shoot is, if anything, wearing makeup and dressing up. Mm -hmm. And at that age, it's very alluring. It's very interesting, and it's enjoyable. It's like, you can call it whatever you want, like your 15 minutes of fame or whatever it is, but it was fun, you know? It's kind of like, oh, since you did this photo shoot, why don't you also go to this fashion show? Or why don't you also attend this event? Mm. Why don't you sit at this table at this ball? Mm. How do you think that that impacted you? Um, I think it impacted me in that more of my parents' friends knew who I was. <laughs> People at that age don't read those magazines anyway. So I didn't have boys coming up to me being like, wow, Rebecca, I saw your cover on the magazine. <laughs> it did not help my love life at all. But I think people did kind of recognize like, oh, she's the you. Which is the point that I was going to go about. I was yeah. going to ask like, did being a you like affect you? <laughs> affect you. <laughs> How did you affect you? How did you affect you? <laughs> um, again, like, like, I guess like growing up. You yeah, know? growing mm. up, I did get bullied a bit. Mm. And you know, it's so funny. I was catching up with a friend from uh, middle school. She was a senior and I was a, I was a, like a freshman. And she, she was talking about how she had this amazing life <laughs> uh, in school. And I hated, I hated mine. I, hate, I always, always hated my time at school because um, I got bullied. I'm not sure if that was because of my background or because I was a terrible person. It was just I never really had an enjoyable experience in school. I know that a lot of that was because of my character and who I was at the time, an idiot. But... <laughs> I think part of it could have been driven by the fact that I was different and people knew my last name, mm -hmm. especially in the school that I went to. And yeah, like when I was younger, I used to really hate the fact that I came from this last name because I felt like people treated me so differently because of it. Were the kids in your school aware that they went to school with her? I don't... They just, they just knew that I was different and so they would just like be kind of mean about it sometimes mm. you know I they always pick on a different kid yeah. right yeah and yeah. I remember I was in school and <laughs> this is so stupid do you remember those like sparkly gel pens mm -hmm. in primary school that you use and they were like quite expensive they were like two two fifty a pen I had the whole set I had like all the colors I even had like the ugly colors um and it came in a nice little case and I remember sitting in the courtyard, playing, whatever. Turned around, next moment, gone. Someone stole my case of sparkly pens. And I was so crushed. I was so upset. My mom bought me <laughs> the set 
no questions asked. She was just like, shut up, stop crying. <laughs> and, and then um, I was happy again. And, you know, I think it actually pissed them, like whoever it was, off more because the bullying just got worse and worse. And the thing is, like, um, yeah, being different was never a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, my Chinese teacher would make fun of me. Like, she she would use it as ammo to, like, force me to speak better Mandarin. She would be like, You know, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, yeah. like emotionally blackmailing you. Like, yeah, and yeah. just... Like you know, like like Yeah, she didn't consider the effect it would have on other kids, right? No, because mm. it because it not only did it suck for me, it made the other kids be like, Oh, Tayo Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Tayo Chen. Like Ah, Yuan What is Yuan Shen? You know. Then they go back ask their parents yeah. and be. So as a young child, right, how did you filter out that negativity? Oh my gosh, I did not filter out the negativity. I wish I knew how. I don't think I dealt with the way people were treating me very well. I think I really let it get to me. I think it really affected my mental health. Since I was about, I would say, 8 to about I was 20, I think it, it really did affect me a lot you know, what people thought of me, um, having friends, having people like me was very important to me. But I think it's normal. No. The thing is, I think I went out of my way to try and be as nice as possible to people that I knew, I just knew they didn't like me, and I would try anyway. And there's a difference between being a good person, a decent person, and someone who is just wasting their time. And I was definitely wasting my time on all of these people. Whether it was boys that I had a crush on um, who were going to treat me badly anyway, and I just did, I ignored that, or girls that absolutely hated me. I just, for some reason, wanted to seek their approval, and I kept trying, and I really should have just realized they're either going to be nice to you or they're not and one day they'll grow up or they'll stay the same and that has absolutely nothing to do with you and I I know that that irritated my brothers so much as well because they saw they saw that I was they saw that I was miserable and they saw that it shouldn't matter and no matter what they said I would still you know be in my poor little rich girl bubble Mm. just crying over something some idiot said that i don't even remember the name of anymore how do you get out of it i grew up and that's what happens i think i know it seems like a very easy thing but i took a lot of time to really understand not everyone is going to be nice to you and people are going to want stuff out of you. And after they get it, they really have no more use for you. Kind of bleak, but it helped me grow up. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that I can't be a nice person. It doesn't mean that I can't be, like, decent. It doesn't mean that I still don't... It doesn't mean that I want them to be miserable or whatever. You don't have to be vindictive about it. It just meant that I could let go, finally of this thought that I care so much about what other people think. I don't. And the sad thing is, there are people out there who are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old 
still worried about what the people around them think and we just don't realize when we go for good none of that would matter it really just matters to yourself what was the specific turning point and I know you shared this story with me before and I'm wondering if it's the same one because I think that you know it's very easy to say like you just have to listen to yourself and like let go Mer. but I think a lot of things is a lot of times it's easier yeah, than done I right? think it's when you hit like rock bottom mm. Mm. <laughs> there's so many I was just a shitty person um yeah, when I was in university, I like was pretty miserable with my life. Um, I had a nanny that I would spend a lot of time with. And beyond that, I would just spend money, um, just go shopping. I can't even remember most of what I bought in Australia. And, um, you know, I was sitting in class one day and this girl came up to me. And she's like, Rebecca, right? And, you know, at first I kind of thought like, oh, this is one of those like, oh, you're Rebecca, you kind of things. But it wasn't. It, it really wasn't. It was just she knew my name because I was in her class and and you know it was kind of embarrassing for me because I had no idea who the hell she was I had never bothered to make friends with her and she said you know you come to the store at least like twice a week and you spend like 300 400 dollars each time do you even know my name and it wasn't about the fact that I spent money she didn't care about that. Australians are very nice. <laughs> she just was kind of surprised that it had been so long and I still didn't know who she was. I was kind of a shitty person. And for me, that was like, wow, I really need to change. I really need to, you know, have an honest conversation about what makes me happy. And that's kind of when I started getting better, I would say. Also, I had the help of my family, and they didn't really see this side of me because when I was around them, I did feel pressure to put on my best self, you know? Um, I always felt like I couldn't make them happy. Again, caring about what they thought versus what actually made me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, so, and there's so many, like, so many instances of that. It just kind of stuck with me. Something Private is a podcast produced by VFM. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you stream your podcasts from. So I don't know if I've told you guys, but we also have a Telegram channel where I occasionally upload cute gifs. Just search for Something Private Pod in the Telegram search bar. That's Something Private Pod to find us. Or follow us on Instagram with the same handle, Something Private Pod. Share with me a memory that is the most like like something that a normal person like couldn't identify with like something <laughs> yeah like something really ridiculous that you've done because oh. like it's really different. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay, um, I was in a ball called La Ball de Debutante, which is you know a debutante ball based in Paris. I was one of the first Singaporeans to be presented at this ball. So a debutante ball typically is when 
in high society, the girls host like parties, and mm. then at the end of the season, they're presented to the queen. That was what it was, and the purpose of this was to find a husband. Today, La Ball de Debutante, I can't say the same for the other balls, is a celebration of just fashion. It's, you know, the hottest, most respected haute couture designers, you know, um, presenting one of their couture gowns on a debutante in the international scene of high society. So, you know, there are Maharajas, which is the equivalent of like a, a king in India. There are, you know, ladies, dukes, princesses, princes, proper, proper titles, guys, and, and people from that kind of caliber of family. And they're presented at this ball with an okotur um, gown, and then they have a cavalier. Cavalier is like the, the date that you have for the night. So in my mind, that's kind of like the prom of all proms. I met a lot of cool people, and um, they're all doing really interesting things, um, you know, Akshitab, who I met at the ball, she also does a lot of nonprofit work. And Aya works in Microsoft now. Allison, I don't know what Allison does, but she used to run, she used to work in a nonprofit in Hong Kong. And it was just really interesting to meet these girls with a sort of similar background. And we had all pretty much gone through the same thing. And some of us dealt with it better than others. And it was kind of inspiring to see, like, wow, I don't have to feel so bad about my poor little rich girl problem anymore because there's so much more I can do with my name. I want to be more like these girls who are doing so much more with their name. It just became very clear to me that this was the example they had set themselves and they were holding themselves to such a high standard. Whilst there are other girls who, yeah, like, they would party a lot and do, like, mountains of cocaine and, and that's, like, not something I'm interested in. Mm. So it was just, th- I know that that's something not everyone can experience, obviously. Um, and I was very blessed to be invited. And it was just one of the like, most wonderful experiences I ever had. But yeah, I think um, that moment, being at the ball, having my name called, like Rebecca Yu from Singapore, escorted by so-and-so from the land of so-and-so. <laughs> like, you know, it was nice. And it felt like that Disney princess moment and at the same time that experience taught me I can be so much more than just my last name I wanna I wanna ask about your rich girl problems yeah the ri- you know what I mean like like <laughs> self-pity because people were calling me names like bird's nest girl ginseng ginseng girl on it okay shout out to novel jelly duck ginseng that's my WhatsApp group with Adam, Belle, and John. Okay, so Adam runs um, a novel encounter. Oh. Belle is Belly Willy Jelly. So so she's novel Jelly Duck Jinsing. And then Duck is the Golden Duck Jonathan Shen. And then me. And I'm freaking Jinsing. Why am <laughs> I j- Like, why do I have to be j- Anyway, so that's the kind of stuff that I think about in the middle of the night like just useless noise that just I just questioned my life like is this all I am to you mm. um you know but yeah I just yeah like even in college in LaSalle you know my friends would be like oh I never expected that you would shop at Zara or Editor's Market oh you've taken the MRT before weird you know it was people would have a certain reaction um, when I displayed attributes that were very average, 
Like, what are you expecting me to do? Fly in a private plane? Do you know that I take the cheapest scoot flight out every single month back to Manila? And, like, no one believes me. It's just the most ridiculous thing. Like, it's... My flight back to Manila, I have worked it down to, like, a T. I don't even need to pay for extra leg room anymore because I have just worked out my station in the budget airline that I'm in. And um, I can count the number of times I've been on, like, SQ, which is, like, probably, like, less than five, I would say, in the last year. Yeah, for sure. Mm. But I want to say that it, it's also a bit of, like, a a two-way street, right? Not blaming you, but, like... Yeah, it is. It's, like, people see you differently, mm. and then maybe they say something that, like, hurts you. Yeah. And you're, like... I think I... It's a mean person, you No, know? I think I've, like... I kind of, this is something that I hope to change. I know that I, I can come across as quite aloof when I first meet people, especially, you know, around a lot of people in big social situations. I don't handle them that well. And um, when I'm meeting Singaporeans, Malaysians, or people from Hong Kong even, I do catch myself being a bit like, I'm just going to try and avoid this person because I know where you're from and you probably know who I am if you look at my last name. And it's happened a couple of times and it's uncomfortable for me where like, you know, I would go to an event and a banking event and a, and, a, and the bankers would pay a lot more attention to me because they know my name was on the guest list or whatever. My reaction is that I can come across as quite aloof. I'm not. I know that I'm not. I just don't want to deal with that part of it. And that's selfish because at the same time, it was my choice to come out there and put my profile out there. But, you know, I'm still a normal person. I don't particularly like being told how famous my family is. It's just odd, you know? Yeah, there have been many people who are like, oh, I heard that you're quite, I heard that you're quite snobbish or whatever. Mm. And I, I get that. I totally, totally understand mm. exactly when I was acting that way. Mm. But I think it's a bit like, it's difficult also, right? Because yeah. like, yeah, it, you you yeah. can't be like warm to a person who you know has like yeah. intentions yeah. just because. And and if I if I have the tiniest doubt that you have intentions, mm. it's it's off for me. Mm. Mm. I think so, it's fair. So the two way street again. It's like yeah, when someone is kind of blah, and then I'm blah back. It's like oh, that kind of sucks. Mm. So mm. I tr- I like mm, I like going into situations where no one really knows who I am mm-hmm. and and the and the treatment I get is very different mm. so how do you establish yourself as an individual like is that still something that you are struggling with or I think you know that's something I used to struggle with when I was younger now I realized having an individual identity doesn't mean dismissing the part of my life that was about being a you why can't I be an individual and still be a you. And that's okay to me. I mean, again, that was more of when I was younger. And now that I'm older, I can kind of embrace that side of me and use that to my advantage. Obviously, I'm very happy when people know me because of May's own. And that's starting to happen more. Because that's that's something that I did. That's mine. That's May May's thing, you know. But a lot of that recognition came out because of who I am who my family is and that's okay I don't think that's a bad thing no and again like the entire journey so far of me being 
17 years old and on a cover, 19 years old and at a debutante ball, blah, 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 high society stuff. If it took that much for me to get to where I am now, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm very proud of that. And mm. I enjoyed a lot of it. Mm. All the crappy people that I met along the way, it's not like, I think, okay, there's a John Mayer song and one of the lines go, you're no one until someone lets you down right so it's you have to be very 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 lucky if no one bothers you throughout your life or extremely boring and um to be honest with you being bothered by people is is a part of human life we will always have shitty people along the way and just trying to navigate through that is a very normal thing it's just to varying degrees and for me that's still something I will continue to figure out and I'll just try to do that with as much respect as I can to the other people because of all the press media um, coverage that I did when I was younger I had a base to work off of right and that added to the story of my now philanthropy work and I think that's that's totally okay if I can channel the attention to something useful, I feel like it's justified. And I can live with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that to me is where I'm at right now with my identity. Yeah. So like where are you as as an individual now? Like what kind of headspace are you in now? The headspace I'm in is I think I'm quite happy with my life. I wouldn't say that I'm the happiest I've ever been. Um, You know, there was a time in my life where I thought, like, I could see myself settling down. But then it's almost as if every year I discover so many new things about myself that I want to do. And I feel like there's just not enough time. So I would say that there's a, a hunger to me that I didn't really recognize until now. There's so many things I want to do. I want to learn more about art. I want to do more international policy. Um, I want to be more active in the Singaporean community. I want to have, you know, a stronger sense of um, creativity, a better eye to develop a sense of taste that I can safely say does not suck. (laughs) Um, I think that right now, very millennial answer, but I'm kind of just working on myself. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I would like to go on more dates just to see what's out there. Um, I haven't had a lot of romance in my life lately, so, you know. Why is that so? It just, uh, Manila is not a romantic place. (laughs) No, I shouldn't say that. There, the thing is, like, yeah, it just, I think I, I kind of shut myself off, and I just didn't think that um, I really could find that kind of romantic happiness. Just not right now, because for whatever reason. But but now I think I have a bit more time, and things are you know, working in my favor and it would be nice to, you know, go out on a date and have conversation with someone about their life for once. 
and not worry so much about mine. I want to travel the world with somebody and go to all these romantic places and like make out under a tree or something, you know, make out while the sun is setting. Like I, I just movie moments, you know. I want at least one of them. Okay. okay. So my last question to you is, who is Rebecca Yu? Rebecca Yu is someone I want to be more like. It's very vague and interesting. So I'm just. Like mysterious. It's mysterious. <laughs> no, I, I think I when I started this year, I, I started with resolutions. Well, and resolutions, if anything, are just promises to yourself. And I promised myself that I would be a better person. So I would say Rebecca Yu is, is, yeah, the ideal that I'm working towards. You know, again, she is not the girl that you see on Instagram or even in this podcast because she is still in the works, in the making, and she's someone I want to be. I, I started getting into hobbies, so I love singing. I love knitting. I love making miniatures. Um, I love uh, cooking and, you know, watching movies. Um, I like being outside. I like going to the beach. And these are things that I didn't really know until I let go of all of these other thoughts. Doing things with purpose is a lot more fun than just doing things to impress other people. So this is part one on the episode with Rebecca Yu. I know she sounds like a really lovely individual. I am a fan. Um, yeah, we're going to be coming back with part two, explaining a little bit more about her social enterprise, May's own, how it operates, what exactly is the business model, what it aims to achieve, and her work with philanthropy. So stay tuned for that, and I hope you guys are staying safe at home.